Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NFL veteran and Super Bowl champion, Will Blackman. Manning from the end zone, he throws, and it's a first away, and it is picked off by Will Blackman, the former Giant. Tim Dwight watches it hit, bounces, picks it up at the 10, slips the defender, fumbles the football, it's up for grabs, it's covered in the end zone by Will Blackman for a Green Bay touchdown! And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buecher and Blackman, subsidiary of Buecher and Friends and part of the United Wecast Network. I'm Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can hear me also on Radio.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buecher and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buecher. He is Will Blackman, Super Bowl champ, NFL vet, working on the Hollywood bod now, as he said just before we began to record. <laughs> and uh, you can see him on FS1 uh, as well. And he's also known as the NFL wine guy and has uh, earned his sommelier degree. Congratulations. Yeah, so um, I, I already have a it's WSET. It's, the, it's from the Wine and Spirits H Education Trust. I already have a level two. But there's another company uh, organization called the Court of Masters Sommelier. And there's four levels. And I passed my intro, which is level one. And then level two is where you can actually be a full-time, like a full-fledged certified sommelier. So I can work in restaurants. I could be a director of, of wine uh, for certain venues or restaurants, what have you. So that's in March. So that's the next exam. And once I pass that, then I'll be like legit, legit. So it sounds like uh, being a sommelier or wine is like the boxing industry where you got like multiple titles or multiple. No, no this hierarchy is because you can go, you go intro. Okay. Go well, yeah. I guess two wait two uh right WBO WBC. Right, right, right. You can be champion of both. Right. I, exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, by the way, just curious, uh, is there? And I know this is kind of separate, but since we're on kind of the the food and wine angle here, is there a food that you hated as a kid that you love now? Oh, Brussels sprouts. Wow. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Clearly. Clear as that, day. And I would say sweet potatoes. I, I did not mind sweet potatoes. Brussels sprouts are for sure. Yeah. Um, there are, you know, I, I, there are a lot of things, and uh, credit to my wife because she is a 
herbivore. <laughs> okay. Introduced to a lot of different uh, vegetables being prepared a certain way. Yes. For the Brussels sprouts, it's it's balsamic bacon shallots. Yes. Yes. And and, and especially if they roast them. Is that yeah? Roast, where you so get like the crispy leaves. Yes, that's the oh, big thing. So yes. she would when we were in Green Bay, she would just put a whole tray of all kinds of vegetables, mm-hmm. broccoli, root vegetables, or whatever, and olive oil, salt. Yeah, put it in the in the oven, let it roast, and yes, the little crispy. So like like kale would be great roasted. Right, right, right. No, I'm with you. That and but like I I wasn't big on sweet potatoes, largely because I think that both not the Brussels sprouts, but the sweet potatoes and asparagus was another one that I wasn't down with. Raw onions kid, for me. Raw onions. Okay. Well, why? But mine was we we had those out of the can. Oh, onions out of the can. Out of the can. It's gross. Really bad. Whew. But I've the first time I had fresh asparagus with like butter. Oh, like, I thought made, made I, I, right I went. Way, right? What are these? <laughs> like right. When, who who invented these? This is awesome. So anyway. my my mother used to make um, either boil or steam oh. the Brussels sprouts. Yep, yep. Which is horrible. And and I I remember I was about what six years old, and I was sitting at the table, and the whole thing was, well, you stay there till you finish. Yes. Right. So yep. every, my brother's gone, my sister's gone, everyone's gone. I'm sitting there by myself. Yep. With my food, everything else eaten. Yep. With the Brussels sprouts are sitting there, so I'm trying to find a way to. Give them some flavor. Did you have a dog? That wasn't working. My dad didn't. My dad sat there. Ugh. I did have. We did have a dog, but it, it wasn't gonna go down like that because if they made it again, they would have watched me eat. But I sat there and I'm like, how am I gonna improve these Brussels sprouts? So I took a peek over at my Kool Aid <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and poured them all Pour over. The- <laughs> and it, it did not help. But I had some. I had soup. There you go. Got to yeah. do what you got to do. I'm all for it now. All right. So we are recording this after the divisional round of the playoffs in the NFL and a couple of stunning, stunning games. We obviously had the stunning upset of the Ravens by the Titans. We had a stunning comeback by the Chiefs over the Texans. And I want to spend the better part of our time talking about those two games. We'll also get into a little bit in terms of Kevin Stefanski being hired by the Browns. Let's start with the Texans and the Titans. Uh, excuse me, the uh, the Ravens and the Titans. Everybody's using this as a referendum on Lamar Jackson and the running quarterback. That's, that's what this has immediately become utilized as. want to get Will Blackman's view on whether Lamar Jackson, second year in a row, doesn't have a good playoff performance. Do you take this as a referendum on him or the style of play? Or is it just all circumstantial? They know um, Derrick Henry had 195 yards rushing, right? Yeah. Well, but um, you know what? I, I mean, that's another thing that I want to get into because everybody's making a big deal about Derrick Henry. And I had Derrick Henry as a fantasy player, uh, not this past year, but years earlier. The fact that they have done what they've done with their offensive line, what Roger Saffold has brought to them, what Ryan Tannehill has brought to them in terms of play action. Derrick Henry's been very, very good, but they've improved in other ways that have allowed Derrick Henry to be this Derrick Henry. Like, I'm not putting him in the, like the Eric Dickerson camp. The You know what, he, to me, he's, he's DeMarco Murray with the Cowboys in That's terms fair. of 
you have enough else going on, and then you got this road grader that's just going to pummel you. That's Is there, fair. Am, am, I, am I being fair? I, it's like I just want to put it in the proper context. What Derrick Henry's doing is amazing, but I'm not ready to say he's like it's it's all him. I think it's a lot of it is that the Titans have enough around him that you that they can keep you off balance. And then it's just difficult play ma- play action not to be able to load up on Derrick Henry. You can't load if you can load up on him, then I think you can make them one-dimensional and he can't beat you by himself. But if you can't load up on him, now he's now he's a problem. But he, I mean, but he has been beating them by themselves. I mean, Tannehill has not thrown for 100 yards in two consecutive games. But they've he has had the deep, they've had yards. the deep strikes that have caught that have forced the opposition not to load the box. They've had to cover rather than just say, you know what, we'll dare you to throw. Every time they've been dared to throw, they've 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 struck. Yeah, they just do it just to let you know that we can throw it. Exactly, exactly. So they make you play them honest, and then Derrick Henry does his work. That's all I'm saying. No, but here's here's the thing with, with Derrick Henry is his, what he has been doing as of late is pretty much what he has been doing since high school. Um, I look at his, his senior year in high school. Derrick Henry averaged 327 yards a game. He ran for a total of 4,261 yards in one season. Hold on. In one season. Okay. That is absolutely insane. And then his junior year at Alabama, he runs for 2,000 yards and 28 touchdowns. I mean, (laughs) I can't even say it. Okay? That... He is, he is capable of doing that. And then last year, yeah, he finally had his first 1,000-yard um, season because he became ended up being the full-time starter. And then this year, when he finally started all, with the exception of one game, 15 games, you know, became the Russian champion. So him being, being capable of hitting the home run, he has been able to do this his entire life. So do you think oh, – all right, so then why wasn't he doing it when he first got to the league? Why were they having him share carries with with Demarco Murray at one point? And I'm trying to think who their other uh, who their other back was. But they've but they've never given him the load that they've because given him they because had had they not had like third like 300 coordinators, that was the issue. That was the deal with uh, Marcus Mariota. He's having a new coordinator every single year. So every style, every offense was different. It just it just ended up hitting the right time for him. But I just feel like he's he's always been capable, you know. And we definitely got a, a lot. A lot of glimpses of it last year, being that big, being six three. I'm, I'm gonna say two sixty. Yeah, six four two sixty, and he had a ninety nine yard against a really tough defense in Jacksonville last year. And this year, he's just running through everybody. Um, well, this but- is this is what I think. To to me, the distinction is that first of all, the other the other part is they line him up farther back in the backfield than I've seen norm. Like they take the full seven. Eight yards, like he's got a run. <laughs> he's got a running start every time he hits that line. They give him room because I don't think he has like breakaway speed. He definitely does. You think he has breakaway speed? <laughs> he definitely does. I mean, he he once he's he been, gets he's the been take, he's even taken off on people. He has that's, been, that's, maybe it's his size that 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 
that it, it uh, makes it deceiving. Makes but it if, deceptive. I'm telling you, watch the tape again. When he hits the hole, he is separa- separating from guys. That's what's. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I just that's see him crazy. mowing guys over. I see him get once he gets to the you know once he gets to the third level, like forget about it. And he gets and surprisingly he gets to the third level pretty quickly. Well, and that's where I want to give some of the credit to the offensive line because he's got a running start, and then he gets an extra yard or two from the line moving guys back. That it allows him to get to that second level, third level, just a little easier than it did previously. That's all I'm saying. I, I just feel like I feel as if he's being given the opportunity to get that head of steam up, uh, whether it's because of the play action or because of the offensive line play, more so than I saw prior to this. Well, all of it's working, and he's get, he's getting the job done for sure. Lamar Jackson obviously did not get the job done. I'm having a hard problem. I, I asked the question to start about this referendum on him. I, I'm not ready to go there yet by, by any stretch. Yes, I know this is two playoff performances that have been disappointing. But I look at a lot of the other stuff that transpired, and it, it took away. First of all, you lose Mark Ingram, right, to the calf injury. But this was surprising. I'm gonna stop you there really quick. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, they lost Mark Ingram, but but Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards is more than capable for to run 400 yards. But they fell behind early, so they couldn't take the same approach that they had right. all year long. Right. I mean, and that's exactly why I picked Tennessee to win. I looked. I remember the uh, Cleveland game where the Browns uh, Nick Chubb ran for 165 yards, and Baltimore had to play catch up, and then this, and Lamar started getting turnovers, yeah. and then Baltimore started having a lot of issues. And the the only way I, I always say that physical teams always end up beating finesse teams. You know, look at last year with the innovative Rams and Sean McVay going against the Patriots, who were all about defense, just smash mouth, run the ball, play defense. Took them out. The Seahawks versus the Broncos in 2013, same same kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, that's that's. But the only way to beat a physical team is that you need to. Only way to take out the bully, you got to be a bully yourself. Right. Right. And the Tennessee Titans is totally built for that. So I initially said when I was on the herd, <clears throat> I said if there is going to be an upset, it's going to be this game. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Just go so all that's, in. That's when I went on Twitter. I was like, yep. I saw that. Win. <laughs> With the gif that was apropos. But it, but look, first of all, the, the first, inter, you mentioned the, the turnovers by Lamar again. How much do you fault him for the first interception? I fault him for both. Comple- completely. Especially the second one. Well, okay, I'm, the second I know, one. I'm, I'm not I talking mean, about. First, I know the first one, but the was, first one put them in the a little hole. high. It was a little high. A little high. Right. Put it on them. And then the the, the other turnovers, I, I consider them turnovers on the two fourth downs that they went for. Right. Right. Which which they did. I understand the percentages. That's what. But that's where analytics, man. People go all over that stuff. It's like, yeah, analytics are good until, you know, you need to start using some common sense. But it looked like he followed the wrong blocker. 
on the first, fourth, and he, one. Yeah, he did go one way and then come back the other way, but still, they they should. I mean, I'm not going to say they shouldn't have, but it's they didn't need to. Hmm. Well, they, okay, analytics aside, however you take the analytics, they've never failed on a fourth and one all year long. I feel that's all good. I mean, I can understand why they would feel like. Yeah, it's been working all year, but right. playoffs is a different season now. Fair enough, fair enough. But even at four, what was it, fourteen zip? Uh, he hit. Uh, what was it? Uh, said Roberts. Mm-hmm. If Roberts catches that, that's that's a touchdown. It's right. a different game. Right. Like there was enough plays like that that I can't hang this all on Lamar and that he can't function or that he's not a playoff player or their their offense doesn't I don't I don't work. hang it all on Lamar. I think Lamar did I mean he did a lot. It's it's just the surprising part is is that he threw the ball almost 60 times. Yeah. 59 yeah. attempts. Yeah. Right? Uh 31 completions, 365 yards, and then 20 carries for 143. Gus Edwards got the ball three times. And, I mean, I'm surprised Lamar didn't have 200 yards because I literally was like, Lamar, if nobody's open, just run. Like, don't don't try to run around trying to find somebody open. Just go. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean. I, I guess there's I, – I, my, my two points that I would I would want to make is, number one, Lamar – wasn't as bad as people are making him out to be. And two, this game wasn't as lopsided as maybe the final score would suggest. I feel like everything that needed to go right for the Titans did. They played on short they had short fields, they won the special teams, and everything that the Ravens were used to going right for them all season long did not work. And they got stuck suddenly having to play a game that they hadn't had to play pretty much all year long. It wasn't it, this was by no means their I mean, recipe the only, for success. Yeah, the, the only team that really gave them issues, I would say, um would be the Niners. Yeah. You know, even yeah, they did have a couple of losses, but you know, they they ran into a wall with the Niners where it's like, okay, this team is very physical as well. Right. Um but but Tennessee Tennessee was is was built for this across the board on every single aspect and i think it was as lopsided as the score shows just because there wasn't one point in the game where baltimore was dominant at all this wasn't like you know true true there wasn't like everyone was trading punches it was like no like baltimore would do some things and then tennessee would come with a haymaker and then now baltimore is on the ropes the only thing is Baltimore didn't get knocked out. It just went to a decision. But I thought this was unanimous. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I just felt like there were there were opportunities for this game to go the other way. And Baltimore... Like the, like the, yeah, like the two fourth downs. Yes. Those, those hurt. Yes. Big time. Big time. Uh, the one thing that I didn't feel good about is that Lamar was... Uh, um, seemed emotional. to be emotional. Very emotional. Right? And that's not what I want from my quarterback in a playoff game. We we know you're mad. Like, we know you're upset. Yes. We, we feel you, bro. Like, right. We get it. You don't right. got to show you don't, you don't got to show us and be like, damn, man. Like, oh, man. Like, all right. Or or getting into it, like, getting into beef with, uh, I forget who it was from, was it Correa? 
No, 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 no. Correa put the hit on him. Yeah. That was the... Well, by the way, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it, or we didn't talk about that. Jadavian Clowney's hit on Wentz versus this hit on Lamar. Do you have an issue with either one of them or both? Yeah, they both should have been penalized. Like, the guy's going down, and you literally do a torpedo dive on the back of the dude's head. It's like, come on now. Right. Unnecessary. Had you previously seen Lamar? The one one thing that surprised me is every one of his sideline throws, he floated. I noticed that too. He couldn't throw one on a string. And they were and they were like guys were open if he'd gotten the ball there on time. And but the ball was in the air so long that the DB was able to close and get a hand on it multiple yeah, times. I, I think he got to the point where he started playing desperate. He was never he was never settled uh in the pocket where he was just comfortable like okay you know let me just let me relax and let me just make my throws every every time he was back there he felt i he felt jittery he felt like i seemed like he felt like a lot of pressure was on him and he just never looked settled or comfortable the entire game well people could say oh well he ran well yeah of course it's easy to run everybody runs when they're scared True. But he just he just never looked comfortable, you know. Especially the, um, you know, the out route he threw that got picked off by Kenny Vaccaro, like that one. He threw it right to Kenny. Yeah, I was watching. I, I was I couldn't believe it. Uh, remember what you asked me before the show started? No, I don't. You asked me if I had just gotten off of my Cyclecast app, and the <laughs> answer was yes, I had. And for those of you who don't know what Cyclecast app is, uh, the, or the Cyclecast app is, I'm about to tell you if you're looking for someone to keep you motivated with new routines but you want to do it on your time uh if you already have a spin bike and you're just looking for new playlists and beats and instructor you can do all that with cyclecast it's an app that provides studio quality classes for both indoor cycling and running workouts i believe if i'm not mistaken mr blackman you have experienced it yourself am i correct on that indeed and i like it because I get bored on stationary bikes, <laughs> and sometimes I don't feel like getting up and going to an actual class. Yeah, bingo. And the beauty of this is that you can do it anytime you want. Uh, you can use it on your iOS or Android phone. It uses minimal battery and data, and you can use it on any kind of bike. And the running programs are for both indoor and outdoor. Uh, as someone, both of us travel. We have to fit our workouts around our schedules at times. I love that I can take Cyclecast with me wherever I go and use it with any available bike. I'm all about simple, effective, and fun. Cyclecast gives me all three. They got an array of instructors. You're going to love having your having in your ear along with some rock and beats. Uh, but we've got something extra for you. So they normally give a seven-day free trial. If you use the promotional code BUKER when you sign up at Cyclecast.com, You'll get four free additional weeks on top of your seven, your free seven day trial. That's Cyclecast C Y C L E C A S T, and the promotional code is B U C H E R to get five free weeks of guided workouts with killer soundtracks. You can't beat that. Cyclecast, you're gonna love where this app takes you. All right. So the other question is: Is Bill O'Brien gonna have a lot of time to spend on his? spin bike because of you might be right you might be riding about it here. <laughs> he, he might have a lot of free time i i don't i don't know like 
I, I saw it put out there. It's going to be hard for this team to buy into Bill O'Brien coming back and to go above and beyond what they had. They You've seem been stuck. You've been in that situation. Do you? They, do you they seem stuck. I, I I agree with you. They seem stuck. I, I feel like that Deshaun Watson has saved this man's job. Yes. Several times. So so, uh, I, I have the receipts. <laughs> it was twenty. What it was? It was twenty four zip. It was twenty four zip, and I texted our FS one colleagues. Uh, Jason Whitlock and Marcellus Wiley. And I texted him and I said, I texted them. I said, Bill O'Brien still has the ability to give this game back. But my bet is Deshaun Watson won't let him. That was my bet. I was right on the first. I was wrong on the second. Yes. And then, and then I said, it's going to be a one score game at halftime. And then after they scored, I think, the third touchdown, I said, and I meant the Chiefs will be up by one score. (laughs) Nonetheless, to your point, I just, this is what's always troubled me about Bill O'Brien is he doesn't, I don't feel as if he has a feel for the game. I think he's a, I think he prepares. I think he has a game plan. But there are coaches who have the ability to feel the how the game is going and adjust accordingly. And there was something that Tracy Wilson said about that Bill told her before the game that they wanted to avoid punting at all costs. I thought, okay, under the circumstances going in to the game, I understand how that's your how that's your your plan. But going for a fourth and what was it a fourth and one or a fourth and four? Right. Going for it in your own territory after the Chiefs have just scored is not, the risk is not worth the reward. And I felt as if he did that because he didn't go for the fourth and one after they screwed up the clock, and he took the field goal instead. Which I you tell me, I don't care that the clock was f- screwed up. If I was going to go for the fourth and one in that situation, you're going to go. For I'm it. still going to go for the fourth and one. I'm not going to revert and go. Oh, we lost some element of surprise or whatever it might be. Now take we're going to take go- the time out, get your best play, and let's roll. Exactly, exactly. So I always and and even what was it? It was the fourth quarter. They're down by three scores. That's when it was fourth and four, and. He was going to punt. I'm convinced he was going to punt. And then he, like Deshaun was saying, you know, we got to go for it. We got to go for it. So then he called a timeout, and they ended up going for it. DeAndre Hopkins came over. You could see him reading his sheet, and he was looking for a play for fourth and four. But the the body language, the facial expression, everything about it made me feel like Bill's just out of his depth here. Like he's... He's searched. The fact that he had to be convinced by his players, it's good that he's listening to his players. The fact that he wasn't aware at that point with under 12 minutes left, down by three scores, that this is a situation where you got you have to go for it, again, just made me feel like is for where the Texans want to go and the talent they have, this might just be a little too much for him. 
but that's the point you said. You said just go for it. Yes. You're right. And and just just in everything though, in every aspect of the game, it's the playoffs. Yeah. Your your best stuff should be ready, lock and loaded. Like let's go. Every situation, let's go. And I would think, and this I've always said this, I've said this applies to the NBA as well. Like there comes a point where you have to trust your players. You have to trust your best players. You have to put the game in their hands. You can't man game manage against anticipating what the other team is going to do. Being afraid of Tyreek Hill on punts can't can't override your faith and confidence in what your team is able to do. Not when you're good enough to be in the playoffs. If it's regular season and you know you got a compromised team, maybe you got to manage the hell out of it to find an, an an angle where you're going to win. But in a game like this, in the in the postseason, whether it's NBA, NFL, even Major League Baseball with a pitcher, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with my talent. If they're ready to go, I'm gonna give them an opportunity to win or lose the game for me, and I'll live and die with with whatever they end up doing. I will say this. It's almost like Houston pretty much never had a chance. Even the, listen, even even up, even up. Yeah, even up, even they were up twenty four nothing. Yes, I look at everything that happened. You have your best player in Travis Kelsey drop a key third yes. down to convert for first. Yep, and then you have Tyree Kill fumble a punt. Well, actually, let me go back. You have a wide open Kenny Stills. Yeah. I mean, wide open. That was a clear bust. And then, right, Travis Kelsey drops the ball. So these are, these are so far two of your best players in Honey Badger and Travis Kelsey. Then you get the punt blocked, you know. Right. I mean, all, all, all these things are going on. Right. That you get. <laughs> they're, they're making their own mistakes. So it was a matter of time that Kansas City just got it together. It was like, okay, let's let's go, guys. Let's, let's, let's give the ball the – to Steph and Clay and let them just shoot the lights out. <laughs> what what is it like for a team for players when you have a coach like what what's the impact what's the reaction when you have a coach who is going to go for it and then he decides not to go. He makes any sort of decision where he goes aggressive to conservative in a game like this. I mean, you're not you're not happy about it unless it's a it was a collective agreement to not do so. What do you mean but by collective? Like if everyone talked about it about a certain play, and they all were just like, "Yeah, let's let's not let's not go." Like if for you it. got the unit together, and you're right. Like, okay. So, for example, I re- I respect the fact that John Harburg is like, "We're going to go for fourth down. Mm-hmm. We're we're just going to go ahead and go for it because the narrative is we are trying to win." Right. But also too. You can tell the difference of a coach when he's like, "We're we're scared to go for it, or we're not we're not being stupid here." Well, there's a, so there's a difference. There's a difference. Right. There's there's yeah. a difference between not being stupid and being afraid. Yes. Big difference. Massive difference. And I feel as if <laughs> I feel as if Bill O'Brien did both. He was afraid to go for it on the and he kicked the field goal. And then he was stupid when he went fourth and one in their own territory. It wasn't worth the risk at that point. Like you already missed your opening to be aggressive 
don't do now don't try to make up for it on the backside because the circumstances of the game have changed. Look for your other opportunity to be aggressive. I mean, Mahomes was in the zone. Like oh, every time the camera panned to him, I was like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> this this dude is well, ready." And okay? to to your point, I mean, when you looked at Kansas City's weapons, they it just wasn't had, even close. They had too much. Close. Yeah, it wasn't like, even close. I mean, Kelsey basically. I mean, what did he end up with? Three touchdowns. Yeah, ten catches, one thirty-four. Three. They touchdowns. just they just kind of rolled out, and then he threw it to him. And there was there was there was nobody who could cover him. It wasn't like he shook anybody. He just kind of got to the goal line and stood there, and Mahomes found him. Right? I mean, it wasn't complicated. So this this morning on the radio, uh, Fox Sports, you know, me and uh, Mike Harmon, I was like, this is how the game was going to go. <laughs> I said, Kansas City's probably going to score like sixty-one points, <laughs> right? <laughs> but Houston. Has the ability to also score maybe 60, 50-something. Yeah. yeah. And the only reason I say this is because of Deshaun Watson. Because without him, the score would have been 51 to like 7. And just the fact that he's there is the only reason why they even have a chance of competing. Yeah. Because I can't name any quarterbacks that can go there and do what he's doing. I will say, after watching Russell Wilson against Green Bay, right. what Wilson did was pretty damn and- close. I Every, mean that was yeah. that no, was unbelievable. He, he, that's what I'm saying. There there aren't many. But yeah. Russell Russell would be would be the guy. He's yeah. in that once again. He's in that category of Deshaun Watson, uh, Russell Wilson, and Carson Wentz. Who who they don't need much. How many guys have you played with? This is the thing, and I've this is what's impressed me with Deshaun going back to Clemson. Is and Russell has the same thing. The poise, like I never see them rattled by the circumstance. Ever. They're always, it's they lo- always, they they're just trying. They love the competition. They love the competition. They yeah. love the heat, the heat of the moment. They and they love, look, right. they look at it like I look at a Sudoku puzzle. Like, <sighs> I know I, I can do this. I just got to figure it out. Like, and I am, that's it. it you know, it's not. They're just like I'm. Good. I can win this game. I just need to know how, what it is that I need of of my skills. What do I have to utilize in this situation to get over? And that's my point. Where Lamar looked rattled the entire game. Yes, he had 370 yards passing. Yes, he had 100 and almost 150 yards rushing. But in terms of how he looked situational wise, he didn't look comfortable yeah. at all by any means. Ryan Tannehill didn't have to carry the same weight at all, but Tannehill didn't look rattled either. Like when he had to strike, when he had to make a play, he made a play every time Aaron Rodgers, when he needed to make a play, he made a play. Those big third down throws at the end. Yeah. Was that was impressive. He, he was, he got a lot from a lot of other guys and obviously blame Seattle too. that, that, um, that conversion to Devontae Adams, they yeah. had a they had a rookie corner on him in the slot, playing man to man, single high. And he's they saw it right away. They <laughs> saw it right away. Yeah. Because that's what I as a quarterback, yeah, I line up and I look, okay, who's on my number one receiver? Okay, we're going there. That's easy money. Yeah. 
By the way, who was it? Which team was it that was short on DBs and they were going to have their 41-year-old DB coach? Minnesota. Minnesota. Terrence Newman. Were you, like, I didn't see if you tweeted or not. I'm like, no. Well, we well, can't, well, I, what am I going to say? We can't get our boy Blackman like a run? You wouldn't? We, we, can, we can shave nine years off of that. Come on. What am I going to say? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> I see, I've seen it all, man. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Speaking of Minnesota, Kevin Stefanski, new Cleveland Browns coach. Yeah, what's up with that? Well, what's up with this? This is the (laughs) issue. I don't know who Kevin Stefanski is. I don't know if he's the guy. I I I did. I know he. I know he coached every position on offense. Okay. Do you take anything from the fact that the Forty ers like this is the issue that I have? He just laid an egg. I. Okay. Okay. He did, but he did against the 49ers. He laid an egg oh, against still, the 49ers. Yeah. You just beat. You just beat the Saints in New Orleans. All right. So you're so you're with jumping us, on that bandwagon like with us with the a Browns. savage throw. I will say it's not Mike the greatest Carter. PR move. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna hire a guy who just had what seven four and outs, uh, three and outs rather uh, against the uh, against the 49ers. Yeah. No. 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 I. I... <sighs> Another I don't I, want to use that as a reference. Another guy going to. So Cleveland. this is this is what I understand. This is the guy that Paul De Podesta, the baseball guy, wanted, and didn't get because John Dorsey didn't want him. Wanted Freddie Kitchens, and so he finally Paul Paul gets his guy. I don't know anything about Stefanski. My point that I was going to make <laughs> before you kind of shut it down is that I don't think it's fair to take the Minnesota 49ers game and use that as a total referendum on whether Stefanski can be successful in Cleveland or not as the head coach. Okay. That's all I'm saying. You know, you're as good as your last. <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I, 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 it's an easy kill. It's an it and it's not a good look for sure. And with the Browns, you know, history, it, it, none of it's good. The timing is awful. It seems like a very Browns thing to do. But I I don't know enough about Stefanski that I'm going to take this one game and this in this one result and already say it's a bad move by the Browns. And I'm sure you're not going to do that either because you're not that kind of person. You're going to give Stefanski a chance, right? Here's my, why are you trying to set me up? <laughs> By the way, he went to the same school, high school as Rich Gannon. Is that good or bad? St. Joe's Prep. Is that good and, or bad? I have no idea. Rich Gannon was an MVP. That's good. Um, my thing is, is he going to solve the issues in Cleveland? I feel like I could go in there as the offensive coordinator and put together a top 10 offense. With me calling plays. Okay, but here's the thing. 
It's not about plays. It's, that's the my whole point. With the Browns, that's my whole not point. About plays. That's my home point. It's not about the plays. It's about the culture. Right. Can you fix the culture? Right. I spoke to a coach uh, this in the preseason who was on the Cleveland staff, and he said his his biggest concern is the culture. There's a lot of personalities here. Yeah. This can go one way or the other. There's a lot of personalities here. And also, I'm telling you, I don't care what anybody says. They can tell me I'm wrong. But I know, based on what happened, that John Dorsey, Alonzo Highsmith, they gave Baker Mayfield the keys to the house, to the car, to do whatever you want. If you you watched uh, Hard Knocks, (laughs) you, you knew that was the case. Well, yeah, because I, I remember, you know, Hugh Jackson talked about when they went to his pro day, how Baker walked into the building. He did some like some call, some like signal call. Yeah. And his and his teammates said it back to him and they just fell in love with his right. leadership, how everybody followed him. Yes, he has all those characteristics. He just is not using them the right way. You know, it, it, it reminds me of I'm a, I'm a big Marvel comic guy. I like I like superheroes. So. Um, like Cyclops from the uh-huh. X-Men. You know, he, he had to, he, he walked around. If he opened his eyes, his laser shot out. So Professor X created glasses, <laughs> specific lenses for him so that he can open his eyes and enjoy his day without having to bl- laser somebody's head off. This might be the greatest if, analogy Will Blackman if, has ever if, had on the Ukraine Friends yeah. podcast. So he's, he's able to manage it, and yeah, if need be, you got you got to use it. Take the shades off, but the shades are made for that. He doesn't have a Professor X. He doesn't have anybody to t- tell him to chill out. You don't need to shoot laser beams at everybody every time you're on the podium, every time you're uh, on a stage or or anywhere you are. Like it is not necessary. Pick I your can't fights. Rec- pick your fights. Yeah, or don't fight. Just chill. Now that I've had a second to digest this, I I am willing to say this is going to be a disaster. Because Paul De Podesta is a analytics guy. He's an MLB analytics guy. If Kevin Stefanski is his guy, my assumption is that he's an analytics guy. That he's a guy that is a stra- a strategy guy. I don't need a strategy guy. I need a guy who's going to win the room. I need a guy who's going to corral those personalities and get them all on the same page. Now, you have to be able to present a game plan that is effective and that they're going to believe is effective. But you also have to get everybody to sacrifice. And how do you get guys to sacrifice? Part of it is having a track record of having demonstrated that you can do that. Who has Stefanski worked with that is a big personality where I can look at him and say, you know what, he made this work. Or he can even, in his conversation, can say, hey, I worked with Des Bryant. This is what Des and I did. Where guys are going to listen to it and say, oh, okay, if that worked, if Des was down with that, then that uh, let me let me give this a shot. He doesn't I mean, he have was, it. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't walk into the room with any cred. 
I mean, he was the assistant quarterback coach with Favre. Is that, does that help? Assistant what? Was, <laughs> assistant what? QB coach. <laughs> uh, probably got probably got Favre's dip. <laughs> Just carrying the dip, right? No, you know what I mean. Like I need, I need somebody. Like I need a Davo Sweeney. I I need somebody. I thought McDaniel's was going to be the guy, and I'm like well, that would work. But well, and this is the other part. This is where the Browns are being the Browns. Like Josh McDaniels, my understanding is that he wanted a certain hierarchy. He wanted a chain of command. And uh, the Haslam, Jimmy Haslam, the the owner there, doesn't have a chain of command of authority. Right. He wants everyone to work together. And also on the same plane. So the GM can come to him. The coach can come to him. Like all these rather than going up the chain of command. And this is actually, this is an issue in the NBA as well. The coaches and the GMs have been cut out of the equation. Players. Now the star players can go directly to ownership and it's created some, some issues. It's one thing to, it's one thing to have a relationship with your players. It's another thing to say, what do you think? Yeah, not only what you think, but if you <laughs> ever have a do? problem, if you ever what have a problem with the coach or the GM, come talk to me. Right. Or even like uh, when <laughs> when Anthony Davis hurt his back. Yeah. LeBron was pretty much telling everybody to get away. Like he got it. <laughs> I'm like, where's the medical staff? Right. Telling the medical staff what to do. Yeah. Where to take them. How to hold them, diagnosing his problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. That, that, it's amazing. But that's my biggest thing. Can can Kevin Stefanski be that guy? I understand, you know, Hassel might be looking at the division. He sees a young Nagy coming in there, calling the plays. He sees Matt LaFleur having success. And he's like, man. You know, I got to get a young, Ugh. young coordinator to come in there and, and take over my team. That is the worst. That is the worst rationale. And I agree with you. That probably is the thinking because I've seen it happen in that's a multitude of situations. That's the only thing. That's the only logic I could make out of this whole entire thing. Unless Stefanski brings in, brings in like a big name DC. Like do what McVay did with um, Wade Phillips. Yeah. Well, or if Stefanski has like, if Mike Zimmer has said, "Hey, this guy's the next coming of me," like he's got the same because Mike Zimmer's tough, like he's a no nonsense guy. I would think if you like if you hired Mike Zimmer and you brought him into the Browns, I don't know if he could fully utilize all the talent you have, but I know that he'd fix the culture. Right, I agree with that. So, who knows? But again, there's no way of knowing that Stefanski has the capability of instilling that kind of culture because even if he does, even if he knows what it looks like and what it smells like and how it walks, the fact of the matter is Mike Zimmer was the one who was instilling it in Minnesota. That was never on Stefanski to do that. So his ability to bring that in there, 
We shall see. Oh, no, by the way, all of these personalities have already had a running start in owning Cleveland. Like, you're the new, you're the new guy. You're not. You are, you're not hey, that's, that's my whole point. He's <laughs> the new guy with no street cred. Yeah. And so that's why I feel. Yeah. I felt like if McDaniels did end up getting a situation, that would be somebody with lots of street cred that yeah. I feel like Baker would respect. Yeah. 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 Well, and you know why? Because McDaniels could say, well, you know, Tom and I, we, we, we do this, right? McDaniels coach greatness. <laughs> One titles with greatness. It's, that's the, that's, that's the, the most convincing argument you could make is, so Tom and I did this. You think Baker's not going to listen to, okay, is that, so that's what I need to do? Okay. How are you going to argue with that? You're going to look yep. like a doofus arguing with that. All right, I'm glad we solved that problem. Kevin Stefanski, another disaster in Cleveland. Done. Oh, can... I didn't say disaster. I know you didn't. You're too nice to say that. And I was being because facetious. Of... Yeah. But I think we came, we came to the I n- I'm never, I'm never mad at a man, you know, leveling up and getting the job. Oh, I'm. I, I, I th- I no, I'm not saying. I'm not saying you are. I'm stop being sensitive. I'm not saying you are. You're being sensitive. Yeah, look at your face. <laughs> Uh, look, I'm Rachel just, just say, gave I'm me a just... hard workout before I did this podcast. I don't need another hard time, okay? Rachel. Rachel from Cyclecast. Check out my story. I I I, I told my wife, I said if if I I'm not gonna leave you, but if I did it would be for it would be for Rachel from Cyclecast. Cause she pushes me the way you push me. Like I kind of used it as a compliment. I don't know if it kind of. And know. that's it for Blackman and Buker. Thank you guys. <laughs> that is correct. That is the end. Well done. Uh, subsidiary Buker and friends, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you want us to do something for you, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes. Next podcast, I'll be joined by Mr. Ryan Hollins. We are coming up on the All-Star Game. I have a solution. I have a way to fix the All-Star voting. And we'll also get Ryan and I our starting five for both the East and the West. All of that in the next podcast. In the meantime, as always, for the sommelier and myself, thanks for listening. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns